Fear stops us from achieving our true greatness. Are you a professional woman who is feeling stuck, unmotivated, or burned out? Are you worried about your wellness? Are you letting fear stop you from crushing your goals? If you answered yes to any or all of these, then this is the podcast for you. Dr. Charmaine Gregory, night shift emergency physician, burnout thriver, and wellness champion, along with everyday heroes just like you, will explore how to face fear in our lives and emerge victoriously. Hey, it's Dr. G. Did you know that you can find me on Instagram? Two places. Absolutely amazing. Look for me at Charmaine Gregory, MD, and Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. Hello, hello, Fearless Freedom Tribe. This is Dr. G. Today, we have Carol Dizzy, and she is going to talk to you about what she is up to, and she's up to a lot She's also going to tell you all about herself and where she is from in Sunny. So check it out. Nice. Okay. Well, I'm originally from Texas, um, but I'm currently in Colorado. And I got here by way of marrying a military guy. Oh, look at that. <laughs> so uh, we've been <laughs> able to uh, live in some wonderful places around the United States and get to meet amazing different cultures um, and just different ways of being. Um, each state is so unique and different. So it's been grand. Yeah, so I can imagine I am not married to somebody who is in the military, but I have a cousin who is married to an officer in the military and she has lived all over the place. She's lived in Oklahoma, North Carolina. She's lived in Germany. Um, She's gone out to um, the West and lived in Portland. So I'm not even sure where she's right now, but also, I don't know she was packing boxes and movies. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm uh, we are extremely um, wandering. <laughs> yeah, we are extremely efficient at moving. And we just moved to Denver in October um, for a role for a client of my husband. And so I am an executive coach. And with COVID, I've done all of my work virtually, like many of us. <clears throat> which was a little um, interesting to transition to because in-person coaching was so joyful. Um, so it was, it was an interesting transition. I've done a lot of speaking virtually. And so moving my business wasn't as um, interesting as moving all the stuff that went with us <laughs> here. So um, it's been interesting as, as the world opens back up, I started to see some interesting feelings come up in clients. And of course, we're going to talk about fear today. And I think there's a little bit of that in the unknown after developing these weirdly new habits uh, that we have. Um, but in the end of the day, it's, it's great to see life emerging. Yes, kind of like spring. Yes, you know, it's very like, much like spring. It's been underneath, like, underneath this cover forever. And then now it's like, oh, a little bud is like peeking out. That's right. We're all little crocuses coming up from winter in the ground. Oh, um, gosh. But yeah, it's it's been an interesting adventure. Um, and most of my clients stayed with me virtually. Some chose to step out and wait for in person again. Um, 
And yet I stayed in contact with them because I think everybody in a leadership role was very overwhelmed with how to stay engaged and present with their teams. Um, and we saw a lot of unknowns and, and fears when they had to change the structure of their teams or downsize or resize. It, it's, it's been a lot of humanity talk. Yes. How, do we, how do we make sure humans feel human at work when they have a three-year-old crawling on their back a dog that has to go to the bathroom yes. and somebody wants them on a virtual screen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's been big, great. Yes. No, it's, um, it is definitely, uh, been a learning experience for a lot of people. And I feel like in a way I am grateful that we had this learning experience because there have been people who have been working from home for a long time, entrepreneurs who have had to balance all those things and have had to deal with, you know, being professional and still, you know, understanding that there's a human behind that professional and that they have dogs and they have cats that might decide to run across the keyboard and, you know, make cameos or they have a kid that may decide all of a sudden it wants to, you know, he or she wants to cry. So, you know, this has been the life of a lot of people, but now it's just become more global and people actually understand that we are humans and we're not robots. And yes, yes, we do have, you know, things that happen and it's okay. It's okay to, um, to still, you know, do that and run your business and do all the things. I'm only saying this because <laughs> I've had to do some things and you know, kids and everything. So, <laughs> yep. Uh, it, it's keeping it real. It is. It is definitely keeping it real. And actually it's, it's, it's almost like, I remember before we had this, there was a, um, there was a, I believe it was a diplomat. He was on a call, um, I believe he was in Singapore or something. I can't remember what, what, where he was, but he was literally on a call as a diplomat, you know, um, this virtual meeting. And then his child ran into the room and then his wife was trying desperately to try to retrieve the child. And the child was like, no, I want to be with daddy right now. Like, you know, that, um, I think that was like one of the more public glimpses into the humanity of people who are, <laughs> professionals and so you know now it has now that was probably all before we had that whole experience last year I forget how many years ago that was but it was a little bit ago and then now it's like that is commonplace like it is not oh, yeah. uncommon to see things happen start raining in the background or you know whatever have you so I think we've also gotten to the point where we are okay with seeing yes. the human side we're okay with we don't necessarily want to see them in their closet with their underwear hanging no, 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 their no, head. No, no, no. But Absolutely we not. don't we we don't mind seeing a little bit more of their life in the background. Um, and that's been that's been a nice change. There's I think we've seen a reduction of fear there, um, but there's still fear in in being invisible in the virtual world. So yeah. that's still pre present right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely, I mean, there have been, you know, we can definitely talk about this, but like, there have been some interesting positives. And there have also been some interesting negatives that have unveiled themselves, right? Because now it's like, now it's like the, the invisibility that you mentioned has also 
unfortunately fostered, you know, mental illness, right? Because, and the main one obviously being depression, isolation, right? So, you know, when we would go to the office or when we would interact with other people, we had an opportunity to basically express ourselves to get, um, to get some kind of interaction, to get some kind of, um, I don't want to say validation that we're human, but like humans actually like community. Even, even when we tend to want to be by ourselves and live in a cabin in the mountains or wherever, whatever we do, but like we still, we still like that contact with another living being. And so when that's taken away, it's it definitely, and over long periods of time, it seems like it compounds and you don't have that opportunity to share, you know, your expression, your feelings, and then it just builds and you can get depressed, you know? And you can get depressed just from the fact that we were in a pandemic. I mean, that alone was depressing, right? And so how we deal with that varies based on our constitution, like who we are before, who we were before we even entered the thing. Also, like what kind of things are we doing during the thing? You know, if we're just like watching the news and constantly seeing all the negative things, it's going to bring us down even further, right? Versus if we're like, you know, we're like, okay, well, I'm home now. I'm going to like read a whole bunch of personal development books, or I'm going to work on my knitting because I always want to learn how to knit. You know what I mean? Like it all depends on our constitution and what our mindset is. And so if we don't have like that positive interaction, positive peer group that maybe we had, I'm not saying everybody did this, but like maybe we had at work or maybe we had when we gathered in our social groups then that piece is a huge missing. And so that part was a little bit rough, I think for a lot of people, you know, being home and yeah. not being able to have those things. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, like you mentioned, there were a lot of positives that came out of it because people understood that like, we are human, no matter who we are, whether we're a CEO or we're the, you know, who, no matter who we are, we're still human. We still do human things and we still have a life outside of the work. And so mm -hmm. that's really important to understand and to, um, so that we were more relatable, you know? So yeah, the, you, you bring up a good point of the mental health piece. It was interesting to help clients discern if they were grieving or they were depressed because there's five stages of grieving. And when they were to identify that they were grieving, we were able to talk about what they were grieving and then switch it into what do you want to do about it? Um, that, that piece that is truly depression where you don't feel anything, where you're so isolated, you, you start to think that people don't care and you get it in your own head and that becomes a, a vicious cycle. That does take somebody trained in mental health. So as a coach who's trained to move people forward, um, it became very advantageous to dissect. Well, tell me how you're feeling. Are you grieving? Because there's five stages of grief. Do you identify with that? If so, what are you grieving? And if, and if they were the other way, then I knew to refer them um, and work with, you know, I, I've worked with people um, working with their therapists, like okay, you'd let me know what area of their life they're ready to move forward. I can coach on that, but otherwise, you know, they need to go. And I have referred people when they've oh, had a traumatic event that they couldn't get past. And I like, I need to step out and they need to step in. It's, you have to make sure the whole person is present. I mean, in coaching, we go on the premise that you are creative, resourceful and whole. 
to move forward. If there's anything in the way of that, then there is a, a more licensed professional for that. So we really are, hold that ethical line of goodness to make sure we're serving them to the best of our ability. Um, and so when you talk about the mental, the mental piece, that was a real interesting um, aha moment for me in helping people deal with a lot of those feelings. To be able to put them somewhere and discern where they went was really great. No, that's good. I'm so I'm so glad that you were attuned to that because that is, I mean, so you're essentially a um, a portal of entry into them getting care, the care that they need. Mm -hmm. And they would not necessarily have identified it had you not had you not been savvy about it and identified it and then steered them in the direction which they can get the assistance that they need. So thank you. Thank you for that. Because I feel like um you know, we all get to the point sometimes when we cannot identify the thorn in our eye, you know what I mean? Or whatever it is, you know, and yep. so somebody on the external can see that and then help us help us to go to where we can get that thing taken out, then that's amazing. And, and particularly for um, depression and for, um, you know, everything along that line, it's so important because that is one of the things that really, hurts us um, and can hurt us terminally. And so we don't want that. So absolutely, thank you for that. Thank you for identifying. Thank you for steering your clients who you've identified in this category toward getting professional help in that regard. That's greatly appreciated, <laughs> greatly appreciated. Yeah, uh, in January, it, came, it became a hot topic in January, I think because the co we, didn't, we were in disbelief that, that this pandemic would last a full year. And I'm, I ran into a lot of people that in January started to have distinct recognition of their emotional changes. I considered it very similar to somebody who's pregnant. It's like the 10th month of pregnancy. You're like, just get it over with. And <laughs> yes, come on. <laughs> and if not, then they would just sink. Like it's never going to come out. It's never going to be over. <laughs> and they just start to give up. And you're like, wait a minute. And it just what felt a lot like that, a very pregnant year. Um, and we laugh about it, but it, it really had a lot of that emotional baggage and oh, impatience yeah. and limited patience um, that, that kind of came out right after Christmas. Like, are we still here? Really? Yeah. Um, but to that point, it can happen to anybody, anytime, depending on what they're going through. This was just a collective. Mm -hmm. of a lot of humanity going through it at the same oh, yes. time. Yes. Yeah, no, it, it's, it is ubiquitous. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it affects us as physicians too. So it's like, you know, it's not, um, it's not something that is just, you know, for a select population, it is not. It's, it's like you said, it's, it, it affects us all and to varying degrees. And so identifying and then seeking assistance for it is gonna be crucial to ensure that we don't have a bad outcome as a result of it. So, yeah, no, so- I do, go ahead. I do hope the conversation becomes easier and more welcoming. Um, it, it is starting to, it's like a test, right? Um, but as people start to feel sad or numb, um, it's okay to reach out. Um, I think one of the questions you asked as I was preparing for this is what's the most important lesson you learned 
in all of this. And there were four words that I think people get hung up on and they won't talk about things that matter. And it was the word should, but always and never. Mm. And should's a big one. And so I, I've, that's something I've learned and I catch people on expression. My family's family knows this well. Now <laughs> this, this word should means there's a disconnect between values. Mm. So when you hear someone say, well, I should, you're missing the opportunity to have a better conversation with yourself. What is it about that should that I don't really want to do? What about this is frustrating me and it's a better conversation. But more importantly than that, there was a brilliant coach called Deanna by the name of Deanna Murphy with People Acuity. And she brought forth this understanding that should is really a word that masks frustration. Mm. So if you were to say, I should, you're frustrated. And if you were to say, you should, you're still the one being frustrated. Whoever says the word should is the one frustrated. And the best thing you can do for someone when you hear them say should is say, wow, it sounds like you're frustrated. What frustrates you the most right now? Mm. Not like what frustrates you around everything, but what's, yeah. what frustrates you the most? And it, it allows them to feel heard and seen without judgment because nice. frustration is nice. a neutral terms on the table. But when you hear see, people say they should, that's the beginning of gossip. Mm. And the same thing applies. Well, sounds like you're frustrated. What frustrates you the most about this? They're projecting out because they are frustrated. We just have a bad habit of projecting on somebody else and somebody else owning it. Don't own it. Um, but when people have this feeling, this change of emotions, and they think, well, I shouldn't be talking about it. No one sh will want to hear this. I, they, I should. I should be able to take care of myself. I should. I'm like, mm -mm, you're frustrated. Have a conversation about that. Say, I'm frustrated about whatever, the way I'm feeling or what I can't do. Use that as a trigger to talk, not hold it in. Um, and that, that was a really interesting thing to learn through all this is the, the trigger words that we tell ourselves. Um, but the but always and never, those things that people say that aren't true um, is another um, moment to stop and say, ah, it just sounds like you're frustrated. You know, but mm -hmm. is one of those things that we put in the middle of a sentence where we're, we're, what we really mean is what comes after, but not before, mm. um, right? <laughs> and so, and that caught me because as a mom, I would say, I love you, but your shoes are everywhere, which means my love is conditional on where the shoes are, not the message I want to send. Right. If you can replace, but with, and it makes sense. If you can't just say what you mean. Right. Nice. I like clarity that. is kind. <laughs> clarity yeah, yeah, yeah. is kind. Just avoid the butts. Um, and then the always and never, those are never true, right? There's just a feeling. And when someone says, well, you always, or you never, mm -mm, that's not true. What is it that you want the most? What is it that frustrates you the most? Whatever it is, they're projecting, don't own it. It's not about you, it's about them. Just ask, just ask. Um, and and those, those were some really um, great lessons that I learned going into this was how people were communicating and not communicating. 
and how to help them understand the triggers that are always associated to emotions that aren't great. Mm. And, and you're trying to let them own their happiness process. No, that's awesome. Because like, I'm here thinking like, man, I say that a lot. <laughs> All of those a lot. <laughs> Man, uh, yeah, yeah. we didn't have it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but that's a great exercise. So thank you for sharing that because now it's like, okay, well, as you're about to say something, if you're gonna put but in there, <laughs> try and instead. I mean, that's a practical, a practical approach because then if you put and in there and it still makes sense, then that's what you meant to say. If you put it in there and it doesn't, then mm, just say what you mean mm-hmm. to say. You know, so no, that's great. Yeah, we reuse language in all the ways we don't realize send the wrong message. And we don't, until you stop and think about it. Another word is why. I love why. I like to know why things happen. I'm a why chick. But asking people why makes them defensive. And it doesn't help you get to the why. In fact, it shuts the conversation down. Their brain goes backwards defending wise. Um, I've learned uh, that to find out somebody's why, if you ask what and how questions, that will get you there faster. Well, what does success look for you? You know, how does this matter to you? What is important to you? You know, you can use what and how as a volley all day long, and it gives you so much amazing information about people. And it really drives a much better conversation. It moves the conversation forward. Your brain moves forward with those words, whereas why makes it go backwards. And I was the grill sergeant of teenagers. Like, why'd you do that? Why did you think that? Why? why? Oh, and I just never realized that I was shutting them down. They'd stomp off. I don't know. And I'm like, oh, if I had said, what did you think would happen when you did that? How would you like this to be done differently? Any what and how questions would have been a much better. I'm taking notes because I have a kid that's about to become a teenager soon. I'm taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, those what and how questions are going to get you a lot further um, than the why questions because you're trying to help them think and critically think. And, and school isn't teaching that as much as we'd love. Um, it's not that they don't try. They just uh, outdated thinking in a lot of ways. But if you as somebody who works with teenagers or coworkers, or even the people you lead, ask what and how questions, they start to step in and go, I, I thought it'd be like this. I'd love to see that, you know, that helps them into the conversation. When they feel heard, then they're going to hear you. Mm. Next. And that's, that's what people get so frustrated with teenagers. Like they never listen to me. I'm like, are you listening to them? Wow. Are you asking them good questions? And we're not taught today. There's no book on there, like how to talk to a teenager. I mean, there are, trust me. But to keep it simple, there isn't. <laughs> like here is your manual. I, I, I've just learned a lot in, in coaching executives and how you can take a lot of things that work for them and apply them into your everyday life because they're humans too. Absolutely, absolutely. No, that's great. That's a great, great pearl. I know everybody <laughs> who has a teenager out there is like, ah, it's amazing. Um, yeah, I know you didn't intend for that. 
turn out that way. Oh my gosh, yes. I'm like, all right. So we have one that's going to be a teenager this summer. And then we have, you know, two others that are coming shortly afterwards. So that's going to be an interesting time. So yeah, making sure they're heard is important and um, not shutting them down is also very important. So no, thank you. (laughs) That's good. You're welcome. I mean, people will probably start to see this in their everyday life. Like I ask that question a lot. Oh, um, it is interesting. Words matter. We we've learned that a lot recently, but we forget to apply them into our own everyday lives. And that's, that's been, I think, uh, the thing I've enjoyed the most is while I learn from others, I get to become better too which is fun, actually. No, absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) So you have to, um, so you told us that you are an executive coach. You need to tell us how can, if somebody's looking to work with you, uh, Mm. how can they do that? How can they find Um, you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn um, and my first name is spelled with an E, Carol, C-A-R-O-L-E. And the last name I married into that one is S-T-I-Z-Z-A, it looks like pizza. Uh, so if on LinkedIn is, is really easy. And then I have a website, relevant-insight.com. But you can just Google Carol Stizza and all that will pop up as well. Um, that's been, you know, um, it's, it's been a journey to have a business. As, yes, it is. <laughs> as someone who's a solopreneur who's worked for other organizations and step on your own. So I'm grateful for technology in doing that. But that, those are the two um, or three if you're Googling three easiest ways to get in touch with me. And I love uh, unpacking and and discussing what people's challenges are. Um, One of the things that I I have also done is I've got a book coming out in later this month or the beginning of May called The Ask Framework, The Questions That Elevate Your Influence, Performance, and Leadership. It's based on research of why we don't ask. Mm. or questions and the unknown ability to ask for positive information, even if it's about yourself actually includes the other person in a way that's a gift. And we were not taught that, you know, shut up, let your actions speak for you, humility, you know, all these things we've valid valued into extreme disproportion. And we haven't uh, stepped into better conversations to get the information we need, kind of like getting feedback you want when you need it and can use it instead of waiting. Right, right. I'm trying to get people out of the waiting rooms of their careers and go after what they want. So, and as somebody who works in medicine, who has waiting rooms, you know what it feels like to sit in one. (laughs) A lot of times when we're waiting for good information, it feels like a waiting room. And it's just an interesting concept that people forget that they're in when they're in a job and they don't know where to go next. Um, yeah. So that, that book is coming out. Awesome. Um, I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I wrote it a while ago, so I've, I've got to refresh myself on it. Cause it's been in like the queue of all the other COVID authors of the world oh, for printing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that come, come to the world for sure. Wow, that's fantastic. I love it. Love that. So can they get, so where is it going to be? Um, so if they want to go to the website, it, there's actually a free introductory chapter um, and they can get on a mailing list to be the first to get the electronic copies. 
okay. that come out because um, you know you're trying to get into all the hands that can go as fast as possible. So on that website, you'll see right there uh, the Ask Framework book. Click here, free introductory chapter. It's it's uh, the first chapter is about why I wrote it, which of course always happens from some personal experience that traumatizes you you're like there's gotta be a better way and so that's there in the chapter of like yeah here I was great I'm sure I'm not alone yeah yeah no I'm I'm sure not (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness yeah no that's um that's fantastic yeah so um the fellowship tribe is gonna check out you check you out on LinkedIn or they're gonna check you out on um, your website. And then uh, you said that on your website, there is an introductory chapter to the book. And so they can mm-hmm. get a sampling of what that entails and then hopefully go ahead and purchase so that they can have the copy, electronic copy initially, and then hopefully hard copy later on. Is that about okay. right? That is the goal. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> that fantastic. Is the goal. Okay, cool. 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 Okay. So you mentioned several things that could have some element of fear associated with it. You mentioned that you are um, that you are you have the honor and privilege of being married to somebody in the military, mm-hmm. yeah. and so you've had to make transitions of communities several times. Oh yeah. Now, oh, yeah. and I know that you know as time goes by and you do more and more transitions, that things do get easier. But what about that first time? What about the, was there any fear mm. associated with that very first move? going to some place where you, you knew no one. I mean, it was, it had to be somewhat of a um, fear situation. It's a lot that. of fear and exci- excitement, right? Fear of the unknown, but excitement for the unknown. Okay. And of course we were newly married and newly in lust, you know, as you are when you're married. Uh, so we, we, our first assignment was in lovely Ohio. Okay. And we pulled up with a walk, uh, a boom box and some plants and a bag of dirty laundry. Oh, wow. And it was, you know, base housing um, at Wright Pat Air Force Base. Okay. And it was, it was interesting that you were fearful of things you wouldn't expect. I wasn't fearful of meeting new people. I was fearful of not meeting new people. Ah, I, I was feared of fear of isolation. And so when you're on a military base, there's a lot of welcoming community there because you're all in the same boat. You're all transient. So my initial fear was what if I don't meet anybody? What if I'm isolated? What if, and my husband um, was in a position where he traveled half of every month. So there were times when I was very isolated. Wow. So I, thankfully, I have more extroversion than introversion within me at that time in my life. I'm kind of equal now. Um, So I was out of necessity, brave enough to go to like a newcomer's event and the things that they offer on base to pull people in because isolation is a thing. Mm -hmm. There are some mental health issues on military bases because of transient nature of the work and the families that go along that have to uproot everything and go. So I learned some really valuable lessons about how to get involved in a community very quickly. Um, 
how to do it, what it means, and, and then how to do it for children. How do you get children integrated very, very fast? Pick something, you know, outside of reading books, a, an activity, a sport, anything that, that allowed them to be in a small, intimate group of new people for a reason. Right. So sports, sports was prevalent, but I had friends that had a choir or a musical instrument or whatever it is, we were advocates for what are you going to put your child in? What are you going to put your child in? And if you did that, they adjusted a lot faster because they had the fear too yes. of not knowing anyone, yeah. of being isolated. Um, and I think that fear, I was reminded of that when COVID hit. Mm. You don't realize it's a fear like, oh, thank God I can stay home in my pajamas. And then like, wait, what if I never get out of my pajamas? Right. Oh, right. <laughs> Oh, um, that, that was the biggest fear of not getting connected. Yeah, that was, I didn't have a fear of anything else. I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. Right. Isn't that, that a good thing where you don't know? <laughs> you just, you tend to do more things. You're like, Oh, I'm just going to try this. Ignorance can be bliss. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah, that was, that was the biggest fear. Okay. Now that's a good one. And that is a very practical um, piece of advice too. just getting integrated into an activity where there is a common purpose. Right. So then now, you know, it takes away that, that fear that you were having or it mitigates it in some way. So that's, yeah. that's great. That's great. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's funny because like I'm, I'm talking about this because like we're kind of living this because we moved like from Michigan to Guam and then um, <laughs> but but we were already I think the thing that um, that made it easier for us like that transition like to become involved I guess in the community is that we had already been like we homeschooled and we did all the things. And so we were already used to like, you know, going out and seeking activities. And so that was not, that was something that we already did. So mm-hmm. it, it definitely made it easier when we got here to do the same things. Like we're very extroverted. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are some introverts who are living their best life in this pandemic. Oh, indeed. They're, and they're I, loving they're it. like that. And they're like, oh, this is the best thing since sliced bread. And we love it. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as a, as, as someone who has extroverts in my family, um, one of the unique things I saw happen in this past year is that there were so many options to get involved with people. It almost became, I mean, virtually it almost became overwhelming. Yeah. And then I saw people just shut down. Like I I can't do it all. So I'm not going to do anything. And I had to go pick one, just pick one and stick with it. You can always try pick one. Yeah. yeah. And that was, that was hard for some people to do, but once they did it, let go. Yeah. Just pick one. Uh, one. Um, and for kids, just pick one. Yes. Um, for, for, for having to move, right. Pick something. Um, and, and you're right. it, It does help a lot. Yeah. Yes, it's, but, I, but I like how you, um, that you like encapsulated the thought in that one thing. It was like, you know, just get involved in something that's a common purpose type activity. And it, as a, as a corollary, you will then interface with other humans. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
I feel like that's really, that's a great pearl. It's just yeah. by default, there we, they will be there. Yeah, it's super simple and it's doable. And then it also is going to help you, help you mm. to adjust. So that's yes. great. Because if Definitely. people are listening, we're also like uh, considering, you know, moving or considering a new job or, cons- you know, I'm saying like they're considering something that is going to be a new thing for themselves or a new thing for their families. Maybe they're even considering starting a business. And so with all of these things, there's still, you know, there's that fear of, man, is this thing going to stick? Am I going to connect? You know, so those type of things are, you know, they're still, they're still present. So having a way to overcome that is, is huge. Really, really, really really huge. So yeah, yeah, the the very first question that is helpful is what does success look like to me Mm -hmm. in family time? What does success look like to me in this new job? The the better you are at understanding what success looks like to you, not everybody else, to you, the quicker you know how to get there. But if you don't take the time to ask that question of yourself or define it, you'll just ping off things organically and wonder why not they're not happening. So for a move, just like if it's a move to a new job, a move physically like you and I have done, Um, or any type of a move, having a 90 day plan of what success looks like this week, next week in a month, you know, helps you reassess if that's the one group for you, right. Or, and, and helps you feel more in control of your happiness journey. Happiness isn't a destination. It's the journey. So if you know what it's supposed to look like for you, feel like for you, then you can celebrate getting there along the way instead of waiting till the end right. and, then, and then being let down like, oh, that didn't work. Um, Alan Watts is a modern philosopher that um, brought up this, the, this philosophy of the sense of lack. And it really resonated with me on, on this, you know, combining the, the happiness journey. Um, he uses the example, or maybe Mark Manson uses this example when he was interpreting what it meant to him. And he's the author of the book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F. Uh, Can't say that on podcast, but that's the title of the book. And let's say you want to be a millionaire, right? You want to be a millionaire and you go, oh, I'm going to make a million dollars. But what happens instead of going, oh, I made $10, oh, I made $20 and celebrating each way there, all you do is concentrate on what you don't have on your way to being a millionaire. And so by the time you get to millionaire, it is kind of anticlimactic because you just concentrate on the negative gap instead of going, I made $10 towards that goal. We're making $20 towards it and celebrating like happiness is that celebration at every step on the way to the goal so that you're happy no matter where you end up right. on that goal. And I think we get so focused on what we want that the flip side is we just concentrate what we don't have and it takes all the joy out of having a goal. And so it's an interesting flip side to think about instead of concentrating on the goal, concentrate on the happiness of the journey, because when you actually do this work, that's in the gap, you're happier. Yes. When you get there, just like working out, right? It's yes. painful. <laughs> you got to do it. Got it, like, done. Got it, through it. Right. And then you go, 
I've had great stomach now. But if you had just looked at the mirror and said, I want a great stomach and you didn't have it, all you do is be mad that you didn't have a great stomach. Right, right. You can do anything about it. Absolutely. So it's, it's an interesting philosophy to flip on its head and say, this is why you do the work, but enjoy the work. Yeah. Know yeah. what it feels like along the way. What are you going to celebrate every day? Um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's always a fun conversation to have when you're trying to help people understand that the happiness is every decision, you know, everything you do. Cause they don't believe you like, uh, uh-uh. cleaning toilets is not happy. I go, yes, but a clean toilet makes you happy. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> pick which one. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, this is truth. Hashtag truth. <laughs> That's right. Definitely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Awesome. That is so awesome. Yeah. You know, um, Carol, this has been such a fantastic conversation and I cannot believe we've been chatting for this while. Time has totally flown by. Um, but we are at that point in the show where we do the fill in the blanks. Now, mm. are you ready? Are you ready for that? I am ready. Okay. All right. Awesome. Okay. So the first one is, if I am fearless, I will. Relax and dream bigger. Nice. Nice. The next one is, to me, Fearless freedom means confident curiosity. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. And then last but not least, my battle cry is embrace what sets you apart. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing all the pearls. Thank you for, you know, just a great conversation. I really, truly appreciate you contributing value to the Fearless Freedom Tribe and taking time out of your busy evening. I, get, I think it is there for you. I am at, that. that's about afternoon, late afternoon. Afternoon, your busy yeah. afternoon to spend time with us. We appreciate it. Well, I didn't get to ask you all the questions I want to ask you. And as a coach, that's hard. So, oh, really? I didn't know you had questions for me. <laughs> I want to ask you all these questions, but uh, I'm not, inter- you're interviewing me and I needed to respect that because I'm like, oh, tell me more. Um, no, you've, you've been a joy and it's been just a, uh, a true honor to get to be, spend time with you because I love what you do. Thank you so much. Thank you again for coming on. Mm, my pleasure.